You're listening to audio from Grace Community Church in Anger, North Carolina. More information about Grace Community Church can be found at graceccnc.org. Thank you so much for being here at Grace Community Church. Thank you, worship team, for leading us to that place of worship in the Lord through doctrinal music that puts our hearts and minds all together the same place uh, toward the Lord. Um, I just want to mention, just even during the time of singing just now, started hacking, so maybe I'll... um, I hope I'll make it through the service. I don't think it was during the, uh, the Grace Connection time. But if, you've shaken my, if, you, if you shook my hand any time this morning, you may want to go right now and wash your hand. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm trying not to. I'm so glad that Chuck and Andy Wade are here today. They're, they're, I, I've started writing. I won't say near the things that I want to say about them. Andy... Uh, you're not supposed to have favorites. She's just one of my all-time favorite students that have been here at Grace Community Church. Um, those of you who were here long enough ago, Andy and it's not Panama. Golly, all of my favorites right here in one day. It's a good thing you were here. Now you're one of my favorites. <laughs> just kidding. Chuck started coming. I didn't know Chuck as well as the others did. Andy and Sean Cross did a sketch that let us know that Sean was going to be a great preacher one day. And Andy was outstanding. I'll never forget it. The title was, um, the message was, Looking for Blessings in All the Wrong Places from Ephesians 1-3. I thought it was clever. If you're a country fan, maybe you'll get it. Country music fan. But, so, it, it... Andy was home from church and she was changing the channel and Sean would be all different kinds of preachers. And it was just great. It made the point about where our blessings come from, from God's word, from the right community being together uh, and his word working through. But during that time when Chuck and Andy and David Calvert and Sean Cross and Alex Batista and so many others, I'll start naming names, it's the last time that I have seen in the country, Rhett and Link were at NC State leading Campus Crusade. There was a lot going on on college campuses in those days. When you think about the great revivals in America, think about uh, the First Great Awakening, the Second Great Awakening, which was problematic in, in a lot of ways, but there were still some things, good things happening during that time. And then there are other minor ones. I got saved during the Jesus Movement. I, it was a revival in the country. But what was happening in uh, those late 90s and uh, early 2000s at, were you that you were there, Tammy? Were you there then? You were, you're too young for that, right? Yeah, okay. So it's just before Tammy got there. <clears throat> Not that she killed it, but it's just, uh, well, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Were you there with these guys? Were you, okay. That was, so that's right. There, was, there were great things happening. And so that is a good challenge for you guys who are students right now. Great movements of God in the country almost always begin with college-age young people. 
young men and women, get on your face and ask God to do something in our land. We need his touch. We need his presence in our midst. Um, I think that I heard this week now, you gave us a pretty good idea, Chuck, when you said this a while ago. I think that I heard this week, sometimes I hear things and I'm just like, could that really be true? That Turkey has the smallest number of Christians per capita of any country in the world. Now you think about it. It's close if it's not the case, but you're saying, is that probably true? I heard it, and some, I think somebody was with me when, when I heard that this week. Bert Wallace, yes. We, so we heard that this week. And if you think back on some of the great mission movements of the world, uh, they didn't start off with big results. Some of the most famous missionaries in, in, in our history uh, did not see the results then, but, but the Lord laid a foundation that great things happened. So, look, if you are interested in being involved in the Middle East, in the Muslim world, uh, where God is doing some big things, um, <clears throat> then talk to these guys. During the benediction, please come out to the, to the back. And um, so just get to know all the ways, all of the weight. So, um, to talk about the need in our land is a, it's a, it's not an intentional, but if you're a pastor, you have to make segues, you know. So this is a segue into thinking about the difficult week that it has been for our nation. I mean, we've had <clears throat> letter bombs, uh, We've had synagogue shootings, the, the, the midterm mania. Uh, it's a difficult time for our land. What needs to be done about our national problems? Now, chances are you're thinking more on a personal level. I heard someone say not long ago that it used to be all politics is local. Now all politics is national, and I'm not sure that we can survive the shift. I think that's a pretty good word. But truly, when all is said and done, we got issues in our own lives, in our own families, in our own spheres of influence that, that need addressing a lot more than we're going to be able to do on a national level anytime soon. Uh, what some of you probably are thinking, I need a personal guide for navigating life. I've got scripture, that's nice, uh, and it gives me a whole lot of guidance, actually we're going to talk today about how it gives a lot more guidance than, than we are often aware. But I, I need that personal guide rather than a newspaper or a website to tell me just what kind of bad shape we are in. Hopefully, you're going to be encouraged to know that this morning's message is a follow-up to last week's amazing truth claim that God's Word always accomplishes the purposes for which it was intended, for which the word was intended. If you weren't here to hear David Calvert preach last week, then please go online and hear that message. Um, he preached from Isaiah 55, uh, and we're working through the book of Isaiah, but this morning will be a slight diversion in the same territory. Uh, if you're an academic type, it's an excursus where we will think more deeply about the efficaciousness of Scripture. 
Um, if you are more practical, hey, it's application. It's just more application of what we heard last week. If you're perceptive, it's like, man, he had a difficult week and didn't have time to study in Isaiah. Like <laughs> so all three are true. They're all, all of the above. It's all, it's all happening right here this morning. What's really cool is that I, I stole these notes from somebody else, but it's been so long ago, I can't remember who to give credit to. So I'm sure a lot of the stuff is, you know, original thought here lately as I've messed with the outline a little bit. There are several chapters in the Bible that are known for their primary uh, emphasis, for the primary emphasis of that particular chapter. So if I were to say, let's call, turn to the love chapter we would go to, 1 Corinthians 13, if we said, let's go to the faith chapter, it would be Hebrews 11. Resurrection chapter, 1 Corinthians 15. Not as uh, we need a little more Easter around here, apparently. <laughs> um, and if we were going to go to a chapter in the Bible that speaks to the beautiful and powerful word of God, we, of course, we would be turning to Psalm 119. So, if you have a Bible, would you please turn over to Psalm 119. If you don't know where that is in your Bible, put it together. Get as close to the middle as you can, and you're going to be really close, probably really close, to Psalm 119. Psalm 119 is an elaborate acrostic. There are 22 stanzas in this amazing chapter of Scripture, one for each letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Every stanza contains eight verses, it has eight verses, and each verse in the Hebrew begins with that letter of the alphabet. Your, your Bible will likely use at least the, the, the English transliteration of the Hebrew uh, letter. So, for instance, um, the first one, first section is Aleph, the second section is Beit, and then Gimel, or Bet, I mean, and then Gimel, and so on. Uh, if You'll look at your Bible. Some of you are going to find the Hebrew symbol there as well. So it's a very elaborate acrostic. And when you get into it at very deep levels, it is stunning. The structure that is in the word. Look, I, I, the more I study scripture, the more I see the design that was put together, yes, by brilliant people, but... It's divine, it, it, it's, it, it's divine characteristics are unquestionable. Um, Psalm 119 would be a great study to do sometime at a, at, at a very deep level. There are 176 verses in Psalm 119. And all but three of those verses mention scripture in one form or another. Now, you're, you're going to be looking, so let me go ahead and give you those verses right now. 84, 90. And 132, do not mention the word in one of the eight synonyms that are used for it. But all 176 verses reference the Lord in one way or another. So when you read Psalm 119, you may say, this has, a, this has the feel of law in it. And in fact, law is the one word that is used more than any other. There are eight words used for scripture in Psalm 119. Law is used, I believe it's 33 times. Um, and so it may feel like that kind of, a, but it's always pointing to the Lord, always pointing to the Lord. So he is mentioned in every single verse. Since 
God's word informs every area of our lives. And since God's word always accomplishes the purpose for which it was intended. Psalm 119 is a treasure trove of blessing, guidance, assistance, power, comfort. Just to mention a few benefits. Today, we're going to look at quite a few verses from Psalm 119 under three different categories. I do hope that you will be motivated after this time to spend more time in the word after today. I've been thinking about this a lot. I, most years, I challenge you to read through the Bible in a year. And I hear a lot of times, not all the time, and, and hey, if you say this, I, I'm not picking at you. I get, I get the sentiment of, of what you're saying. A lot of times people will say, you know, I don't like to do that because I'm just reading through and I'm really not getting anything and I like to take time in the Word. Um, I'm talking about reading through Scripture every year, not next year, every year. And when you do that, you're reading for the long, you're reading, reading with the long view in mind. You're not looking at it just, okay, I'm going to do this so that I can say that I have done it. I'm doing this every year, and you will be stunned at what you learn every year. You'll pick something up in the Bible. Now, look, I know I'm asking you to make a ridiculously strenuous commitment. It will take you about 15 minutes a day to read through the Bible in a year. And I apologize for asking you to do that. 15 minutes a day. Because when will you mess with your phone or your computer or your device? You know, when are you going to do do that. If you put the Bible on your phone, you can get through it. There are all kinds of times where you're sitting and waiting in Fuquay traffic, for instance, um, at a stoplight uh, that hasn't moved in three cycles. So you will find time to do it if you commit. Make yourself, I'm going to talk a lot more about this at the end of this year. Get ahead if you want to, just don't get behind. Don't let yourself get behind. Read the word of God, because all the things we're going to hear today are true about the blessings of, of Scripture. And when you're in the word, you are getting, oh, I'm not getting in it. You're getting more than you think you are. You're getting more than you think. So we'll begin this morning by reading the second stanza of Psalm 119, verses 9 through 16. It is our custom to stand out of respect for the scripture as is being read. So if you would please stand, I will be reading from the English Standard Version. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips, I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts, precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Let's pray. Well, Father, that is our problem. We forget your word far too often. And yet, 
your word is powerful at a level that most of us know very little about. Even believers, even those who believe the authority and the integrity of Scripture at very high levels often fail to see the extent of the power of your word. Give us hearts, Lord, that resonate with the word. And as Jesus warned and in fact accused the Pharisees of knowing the scriptures very well but missing him, Lord, may we never seek to know scripture strictly for sake of knowledge, but may we see Christ, may we see Jesus in the word and change us into the image of Christ as we gaze into the word and find him there. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Thank you. By the way, I, I, I was meant to mention this in the introduction, but <clears throat> there are eight different synonyms that are used. I've said it, but in passing, eight different synonyms that are used uh, for the Word of God. Testimonies, precepts, commandments, law. Uh, so that's what you're seeing over and over in the Scripture. When you read Psalm 119, you may think it again very law-focused, and it was. It, it was talking about Torah, the first five books of the Bible, the law, uh, the law of Moses. Um, but remember, the law was pointing us not only to our sins, but to, to, the, to, the, to the sinfulness of our lives and our need for God to do something besides say, hey, here's the law, keep it, you get in. Disobey it and you get out. You're not in. You're out because none of us can keep it. So it was pointing us through the sacrificial systems. Every over and over and over, we were pointed to something beyond ourselves as our hope of salvation. And Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him for righteousness. And faith was the means by which everybody was saved. Old Testament, New Testament. We have more understanding, but. Faith in the promises of God is what saves people. Always has, always will be the basis for our salvation. So, I don't want to make too much of this, but as we go through the verses from Psalm 119 today, think of substituting the name Jesus whenever you see this synonym for scriptures, like testimonies, precepts, whatever. When we get to the Gospel of John in, in, in January, we're going to see... In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. What, what are we talking about with the Word? Well, verse 14 tells us, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, tabernacled among us. God came through Jesus. He's talking about Jesus when he's talking about the Word. Jesus Christ is the living Word of God. So, if we look at Scripture that way, reading verses 9 to 11 again, here's how it would work. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to Jesus. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from Jesus. I have stored up Jesus in my heart. 
that I might not sin against you. And that's true on so many levels. That's why we were talking about in Grace Connection this morning. Preaching the gospel to ourselves every day. Every day is necessary. All right, let's get to it. Now, I'm going to move quickly. So if you're taking notes, you're going to need to write fast. You're going to need to give your writing hand a break this afternoon if you're, if you're into notes. Uh, there'll be three different categories to organize our thoughts, beginning with what the Bible is to us. What is this book to us? What does it mean? Well, Scripture tells us what it is to us. First, it is water for cleansing. How can a young man keep his way pure or cleanse his way? You may have, in, if, if you've got a King James Version, by guarding it according to your word. Ephesians 5 speaks of washing with water through the word. The water cleanses us. Now, David was talking about last week how when God speaks, it is accomplished. So when the word says, if we confess our sins, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to cleanse us or to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God's word is cleansing us from sin. If you were young, chances are very high that you are passionate. You're passionate about the right things and you're passionate about the wrong things. How can you keep your way pure? How can you be cleansed from sin when you have fallen in your passion? For sin instead of your passion for God by guarding your heart with the word and allowing it to cleanse you. So it's water for cleansing. Second, it is, a, it, it, it is wealth and a treasure. Psalm 119.72, the law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. Can you imagine what your life would be? If you did not have a Bible. Ask the waits today when they're out here this morning. Ask them what it's like for, for people that want a Bible and don't have it. Let me ask you this. I'm not talking about would you trade one of your Bibles. If you, if you only had one Bible. Would you trade your access to the word of God for a million dollars? No, thank you. I, I would hope most of us would say no. Um, I, I'm guessing some of us, you know, uh, no, okay, you have to think about it though first, you know, because a million dollars, is that's a lot. But no, it is a treasure beyond accounting. We cannot account for it. I, years ago, um, many years ago, I went to Egypt on a Holy Land tour. We went to Egypt and, and, and Israel and we stopped by Italy as well. That's the first time I'd ever been in Italy. Been there lots now with Joe and Stefania there. But when, when we were in Egypt, we went to the Museum of Egypt in Cairo. And the gold in that room was stunning. King Tut's, his carriage, everything was just covered in gold. And I asked the guide, someone was talking, and the lady that was there with the museum, I said, how much, or the, or the museum person was talking to us and our guide, I said, how much is this room valued at? What would she said? Mm -mm, no. I said, 
just an estimate. She said, it can't be. You cannot measure the value of this room. This beaten up book that you've got is worth a million times more. It, there's no comparison. It's different categories. This is, this is worth more than anything in life. We don't even know about God apart from this. It is, it is wealth and a treasure. Your Bible may have cost very little, but it is a treasure. Third, it is a companion and friend. Your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselor. This writer, this author, by the way, David, Daniel, Ezra, I've heard all of them. It really fits Ezra's personality. But who knows? We don't know who wrote it. Um, it the writer was a stranger. Verse 19, I am a sojourner on the earth. Hide not your commandments from me. And he was rejected, verse 23, even though princes sit plotting against me, your servant will meditate on your statutes. And the word was his counselor. Even when he felt alone. Fourth, the Bible is a song to sing. God's word is a song to sing. 1-19-54, your statutes have been my songs in the house of my sojourning. David reminded us last week, David Calvert reminded us that every facet of our services informed the covenant family of God with the word of God. Have you ever learned about God from the songs that we sing? Yeah, I'm sure you have. Oh, that's, that's what that verse means. Oh, that's how God is. I, I get it now. Have you learned during prayer focus? Absolutely. During benediction? When you are in the word, you have a song in your heart, no matter what your circumstances. Fifth, scripture is honey. How sweet are your words to my taste. Sweeter than honey to my mouth. How sad to be content with the artificial sweeteners that the world offers when the delicious, nourishing, soul-refreshing honey of God's Word is always available to us. I remember learning to drink that nasty diet this and diet that. And if I drink a soda, that's what I drink. If you drink too much of it, it's just like drinking the other and worse. I know we have a lot of very healthy minded people in our congregation and I agree with you. I don't like sweeteners. I just don't like them. But I tell you what I do like is honey. I get local honey from a stand. Um, that's why I wear the same clothes year after year after year. I can't afford them. I'm, I'm buying honey at the local <laughs> local honey at the stand. Doesn't I still <clears throat> all of my life so it's not helping me with allergies I don't suppose. But you get the point, don't you? What, how great was honey in that time, in that culture? There's nothing like it. It's like honey. Sixth, it is 
a lamp. Your word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. I, I'm, I'm, well, if I were really reluctant, I wouldn't share it. I'm, I'm reluctant to share this because I've never really been able. I've heard this a couple of times, heard it, seen it implied. Um, but my understanding is the ancient shepherds, you know, they had pens where they put their sheep safely away. And the shepherds like to get together at night, just like all people do. People like to get together after a day's work, and have some coffee. I'm sure that's what they're having in those bars is coffee. They're having coffee together. So the shepherds like to get together, but they had to walk some pretty rough terrain uh, in Palestine. And so they would didn't have flashlights, of course, and you don't want to carry a torch. So they had these little candles that they they um, fastened to their to their shoes, and it's kind of like one step at a time. You know, you're being very careful. You think about because the wrong step, and you're like 500, 1,000 feet down. You're you're going down, and you're in trouble. And so that's what Scripture does for us. We move carefully. And yet some people go through life just like this. Not thinking about where they're going. Not. You know what it's like, right? At night when you get up. I don't know why. What reason you might have to get up in the middle of the night. But if you do and you walk to another part of your house in the dark. And you think, I got this. I can do it. It's ah, oh, oh. Man. You're tempted to say things believers ought not to say, you know. When you hit that bedpost on your foot, your, your toe, and you just jam it. And it could have been avoided, right? I mean, good grief, we got a lamp on here if we want it. On the phone. What a value God's word is for lighting our way. Light is a beautiful thing in a very dark place, is it not? The light shows us not only the messes that we've already made, but it shows us how to avoid the messes as we move forward. So, seventh, God's word is like great spoil. I rejoice at your word like one who finds great spoil. And this comes after a battle, a serious battle. And you've won the victory we find delight in having seen God's truth played out in our lives. How many times have you had a big decision to make in your life? And <clears throat> you want to make a biblical decision. You want to make it according to biblical principles. And you do so. Do so and there are people in your life, family members, friends, who think you are absolutely nuts. I think you're crazy for making this decision. And then over time, they see the benefit and the beauty of following Scripture. It's like great spoil. Eighth, it is an inheritance. Your testimonies are my heritage forever. For they are the joy of my heart. Are you surprised at how easy it is to take the Bible and what it means that you, you can have 
six, eight, ten Bibles around your house, in your car, at work, wherever, how easy it is to take that for granted. Think of a number of people who have died to put this book in your hands. If you were put on trial for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence of your commitment to the Lord and to Scripture to convict you? Let's just imagine the prosecutor says, so you claim to be a Christian. This, uh, this is a Bible, right? This is the, it's a book that, that you Christians, in fact, you do what you do because of what this book teaches. Is that correct? That's correct. And so you've been arrested, and you're willing... To die, essentially what you're saying is you're willing to die for the truth in this book. Is that correct? That is correct. May I ask you a question? Have you ever read this book? Well, yes, I read this a lot. No, no. What, let me explain myself. I'm asking, have you ever read the whole thing? I've read the New Testament, most of the New Testament and parts of the Old Testament, but you know it's... Have you, have you ever read this book from Genesis to Revelation? Just answer yes or no. No. That's all. No further questions. It's convicting, isn't it? What's our excuse? Uh, games. These kind of games. These kind of games. And the play in the game. Whatever got too many other things to do. I just don't have time. If I ask for a show of hands for everyone who has read the Bible all the way through, how many hands would be up? Reading the Bible absolutely does not ensure your relationship with the Lord. And in fact, if you go at it the wrong way, you're a worse person than if you don't mess with it at all. Legalist who know scripture, oh, deliver us, Lord. Although we all are prone to legalism. It's our default position in life. But here's something else that we do know. There is no relationship with God apart from the word of God. No relationship with God apart from his word. The Bible is an inheritance. It's a heritage for God's people. So in addition to telling us what God's word is to us, let's think for a few minutes about what the Bible does. First of all, it blesses. This is very obvious. It's stating the obvious. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart. Scripture points us away from sin and toward God. You know, the old cliches. They're cliches for a reason. And don't just walk around with bumper sticker theology. We've got to do so much better. But it's still true. Sin keeps us from Scripture or Scripture keeps us from sin. You can manage both if you want to. But if you're in the Word like you ought to be, it's going to be telling you, uh-uh, no, this is dangerous. Get away from it. Walk in my ways and you will be blessed. Second, scripture 
gives life. 119.37, turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. <laughs> this is a great word to every one of us. Think about this for a moment. As you read this verse silently, offer it as a prayer and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal the worthless things in your life that enslave you and ask him to give you freedom from those worthless things in life in his word. Remember, you could say, give me life in Jesus. Just take just a moment and, and, and talk to the Lord on the basis of this, this word. Okay, this afternoon at the Fall Festival, we're going to burn our phones, uh, and, you know, yeah. like we used to burn rock records. You know? The New Testament affirms the life-giving qualities of Scripture. Just absorb this. 1 Peter 1.23. Think about what he's saying here. You have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding Word of God. This... There is more life right here than anything Harry Potter ever got to move around. There's not life in those things. There's life right here. Life-giving qualities in the Word. Third, it gives strength. Verse 28, my soul melts away sorrow. We just read through this psalm and you just don't even take time, but just think about it. My soul melts away for, for sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. So is this the one for you today? Your soul melting for sorrow? Anyone here overwhelmed, drained physically, emotionally? Find strength in God's word. Fourth, it imparts wisdom. Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I believe in your commandments. Where do you find wisdom? What shapes your opinions and directs the ways that you see and interact with the world? What can you find in here? Almost anything you want to find. Do not go to the word with your opinions, your ideas, your judgments about things, and then have the word confirm it. Let the word direct your thoughts. Direct your opinions. And guess what? That's not happening next week. 
It's going to happen over a lifetime. Again, the benefit of being in the Word, reading through the Bible every year, spending more time, focused attention in the Word every day. Preaching to myself now. Convicting. I am being convicted by the Holy Spirit as I'm preaching to you. There are days that go by that it's just so hard to be in the Word because there are so many other things that require your attention and that attract your attention, whether they are your attention is required or not. So many times I come to the Word, and I've been saying something fairly passionately, and I'm like, oh, oh. You know, this really makes me think I didn't have the full picture here. And it causes me to be humble. And it reminds me that I should be careful in how I treat other people or how I present Christ to a lost world. M many of the verses that we have read today are written as prayers. This is a risky prayer, don't you know? Teach me good judgment and knowledge. For I believe in your commandments because it can sure mess up a good narrative, a good life narrative. But it's imparting wisdom. Is there anything more important than wisdom that you could have? Skills, job, money, family, whatever. What good is it without wisdom? If you're just a fool who in the end tried to rationalize, you've tried to... I think God would be, no, he wouldn't. Just deal with it. Deal with the word. And let the word deal with you, really, is, is, is it. Fifth, it creates friends. 63, I am a companion of all who fear you, of those who keep your precepts. That probably doesn't mean as much to us as it does to the believers in Turkey. Because we got them everywhere. We got Christian friends everywhere. They don't have them everywhere in Turkey. Scripture creates the best kind of friends. Now look, that doesn't mean that all is well at all times. There are times where our relationships are challenged, right? To me, it's the best testimony of all. When in a body, in this body of Christ, Grace Community Church or any body of Christ, when relationships get challenged for different things, we work through it like we're supposed to. Well, how are we supposed to? Well, Scripture tells us. Yeah, but that's fine. Yeah, it's tough. it's tough, isn't it? It is tough. But are we serious about this or not? God's serious. And he calls us to be serious. And there is great benefit we're seeing over and over. And scripture creates friends. Fearing the Lord doesn't make us perfect, nor does it make for perfect relationships. But it points us to the one who makes all things new. And that gospel storyline, creation, fall, redemption, restoration, gets played out over and over in our lives. Linear, cyclical, what is it? Yes. Linear, Jesus died at a place in time. He sat down for all sins, but we see the patterns of God over and over in our lives. And there's always a fall coming. 
God's always creating something new. Then there's a fall coming. And then he's redeeming and, and he's restoring. And it's like he's created something new. And then there's a fall. And preach the gospel to yourself every day. Sixth, I think that's where I am. It gives comfort. Let your steadfast love comfort me according to your promise to your servant. So write these references down if you're taking notes, the three I've got up there. And then close your eyes. I want you to listen to the other two verses that are listed here. Verse 50. This is my comfort in my affliction. That your promise gives me life. And then verse 92. If your law... Had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. Some of you are in a very dark place and you don't know anything about the light. If your law had not been my delight, the psalmist says, I would have perished in my affliction. It would have overwhelmed me. It would have been too much. Devastated, depressed, weak, weary, lying on the sofa, unable to move. God's put his word right beside you. Open it up and find the light. Thank you, Lord. Seventh, God's word gives direction. Keep steady my steps according to your promise. And let no iniquity get dominion over me. This may be the most important verse we've read all day. And think of how important they all have been. How easy it is to go astray. It's why Sunday mornings in home groups are so Vital to our walk with the Lord in our Christian life. To hear the word and receive the guidance that will keep us from the dangers that are at the very edge of the narrow road. It's a narrow road, Jesus said. The road that leads to destruction is broad. The road that, is, that leads to life is narrow and it's walking right up in the middle. And it's so, you're so close to the edge. Yeah, but I'm a believer, so I'm struggling. I'm just accepting this sin, whatever. Don't, don't, don't play with it like that. God's word says it's a narrow path. It's a blessed path, but the whole world is going to be screaming at you as they walk by. You're an idiot. What are you doing? Live life like you want to. See how much fun we're having? See how good life is for us? You know, the word it puts us where we need to be. The last category we're going to consider deals with our response to Scripture. What are we called to do? What, here's what we are called to do with the Bible. We're called 
first of all, to love it. Look, I'd love to just let all of these things absorb, sink in. This is a great study, isn't it? Just go study it. Use this for quiet time for the next 25 weeks. I think that's how many points we have. No, way more than that, probably, somewhere along the way. But love the word. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. The way you treat your Bible, the way you treat the word of God, is the way that you treat Christ. Right? He's a living word. To love him is to love his word. The word is a delight and not a disappointment <coughs> or drudgery. Give Scripture the place of respect it deserves. I know this could be legalistic, but it doesn't have to be. How do you treat this book itself? Like I say, don't let it be legalistic. Why do we stand for the reading of the word shows respect, right? We don't always do it. Sometimes if we're going through a long texted verse by verse, we'll just be seated. But most of the time, out of respect, we stand for the word. I know it's silly, and I, and, and I got this in, <clears throat> in my heart and mind long before as a Christian, so who knows whether it's really legit or not. But I just don't even do that. I, I, don't, I put my glasses beside it. To me, it's just, this is, this is it. This is God's word. It's now so I can read God's word, I put these back on. Second. Prize it, really, kind of the same thing. Verse 128, therefore, I consider all your precepts to be right. I hate every false way. Man, we don't like to hate anything unless, you know, the people on our side are screaming that we should hate it. We don't like, so, but if you love the word, you're going to hate every false way. To hold the Bible in high esteem is the mark of a true saint. To prize it that way. There is no other body of truth that determines our eternal destiny. That's not to say that, that, that the only truth that exists is in Scripture. That's not so at all. Two plus two is four. I, don't, I haven't found that in there. But it's true. But there is no body of, 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 of writings of of scriptural writings for any religion that points. There is no sacred scripture through which God has revealed himself to his children. Nothing points to, to eternal life except God's word. Third, study it. I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. Twelve times the psalmist in this uh, chapter says, teach me. And you know why it's not easy to study scripture? Because it takes the whole heart. You have to do it with your whole heart. Now, look, if you want to treat it like everybody else does, like, oh, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm going to make the basketball team this year. Sorry, it's not about that. Well, what's it about then? I mean, the Bible doesn't speak to me then. It does way more than you know it does. But you've got to, you've got to stay after it. You got to give it the kind of attention and respect that it deserves. Um, Psalm one nineteen two says, "Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek them, who seek him with their whole heart." Fourth, memorize it. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So it's, it's. I think we would all agree. 
memorizing scripture is much easier for you when you're under 30, but it's for all ages. So if you go to work and your boss says, I want you to learn all these, you know, these 10 things and all the iterations that are a part of it. You could say, oh, well, you know, uh, I can't memorize like I used to. No, you memorize it, right? We're, I'm teaching a New Testament epistles class and on, on Monday nights. And I make them, I, <clears throat> for the midterm exam and for the final exam, you got to list the books of the New Testament in order. Why, when you're talking about the epistles, look, man, I'm going to do the Old Testament for extra credit. Because if you can say the books of the Bible in order, you start to see how to categorize. You can find it when someone calls turnover to 1 Samuel. You know where it is. All of those things are a part of learning how Scripture goes. And when you memorize Scripture... Oh, there, uh, this was my point. There was one guy in the class who said, you know what? I've just told everybody I can't memorize the books of the Bible in order. I just can't. But now that I have to for this class, I did it. And guess what? Uh, nine people in the class, nine people got it perfectly right, just writing it down, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, all the way through. So we, we do what we want to. Joshua was not a young man. Oh, my goodness, look at the time. We've been in the Word this morning, and I can't even believe it. I'm so sorry. To the people in the back, if you can hear this back there, I'm very sorry. So... Joshua wasn't a young man. Joshua 1.8, look it up. He was not a young man when he said, this is a commandment. Store up God's word in your heart. Fifth, trust it. I'll just go, I'll blow through it. Then shall I have an answer for him who taunts me. For I trust in your word. If you believe and declare God's truth, God's truth you may find yourself unpopular. Trust God's word above everything. To argue with scripture is to argue with truth. Obey it. Number six. I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. <clears throat> Write it down. James 1, 22 to 25. He says, if you are only a hearer of the word and you don't obey it, you don't do it, you look really silly. You're deceiving yourself and you look really silly to everybody else. Um... Number seven, last one, declare it. Verses 13 and 16. Verse 13, with my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. Look, the, the prospects of publicly declaring your allegiance to God's word may be more daunting to you than obeying it. But you cannot obey scripture without sharing the gospel and standing for the truth as it is given to us. <coughs> but remember... <clears throat> the weights know this in Turkey. <clears throat> you need to know it here. The world is desperately thirsty for truth. And when you confidently share the gospel and all that surrounds the gospel from God's word, people are intrigued and attracted. They want to know truth. Others will take notice as your confidence in scripture grows. Unless you're a jerk about sharing it. And I don't anticipate that, that many of you would. There are three people I've, I'm kind of concerned about, but I won't say who they are. 
The more you know about Scripture, the more you understand, and the more you understand God's ways, the more people will be drawn to the truth if you share it gently and carefully. As we close, worship team, I'm sorry you prepared the song. You've got it for next week. Uh, I, I'm going to say it's imperative that God has not only revealed himself to us in his word, but he has also told us how to relate to him. Look, since scripture declares that we are sinners and incapable of making ourselves good enough to be in God's presence for eternity, the word became flesh. That means Jesus, who is perfect God, became man and he was perfect man. Not 50-50, 100%, 100%. How does that work? I don't know. <clears throat> I'm not God, but it's, I believe it. He became perfect man and thus became a perfect sacrifice, a perfect substitute for sinners. When you confess to God that you're a sinner and you acknowledge that you believe he died for you, then you are saved immediately. If you don't know Jesus Christ, the living word of God, come to earth to save us. Put your trust in him. This day. Let's stand for prayer. After prayer, we'll have our benediction. I'd like for the weights to, to go out and, and any others who need to go uh, with them as well. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for this great treasure that we have in your word. We thank you for the comfort, for the guidance, the wisdom, the rebuke. Everything about it is what we need. And it reveals your tender love for us. Because it always is exactly what we need. And what we find is not comfort through writing, but comfort in you. This living and abiding word of God changes us. And so, Lord... Draw us to the beauty and the power of the word of God that always accomplishes the purpose for which it was intended. Thank you for pointing us to Jesus. For the Holy Spirit opening our eyes to the great plan of the Father who loves us deeply. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Remain standing for the benediction. Thank you for listening to audio from Grace Community Church, located in North Carolina. Feel free to make copies of this audio content to share with others. But please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Grace Community Church, go to graceccnc.org.